Welcome back, Wildcats, to Wildcat Radio to football season. Shut up, it's football season. I don't care what you say. This is Brian Conger, host of Wildcat Radio. You can follow the podcast free on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn Radio. You name it, we are there. You can also subscribe to the podcast for free on, um, or follow us for free on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ and follow us on our Facebook page at Wildcat Radio AZ and our website, WildcatRadioAZ.com, where we have all sorts of, sp- all sorts of spiffy stuff. My tongue's getting tied, Rob. It's it's late. It's late already. We went through the entire offensive line just for you guys before this podcast. So we have stuff down. We have a depth chart, so you don't have to. We have so many early depth charts. Don't even worry about it. It's going to be none of them are going to be right, but it's it's fun to talk. Actually, I think I think some of them will be right. Um, hopefully, most of them. But it is fun to talk football. Uh, I again. We are football fans, first and foremost. I am so excited for this season. Obviously, the spring game happened. We had talked to Rob a little bit about. Um, just the, the team in general, we were kind of dipping our toe into the water. But I think at this point, I've read enough articles, I've kind of looked up enough stuff to get a good feel, um, at least like a cerebral feel of what the Arizona offense is. Uh, how about yourself? Yeah, I, I feel pretty good. Uh, I've done some model updates in the last couple of weeks, and uh, I, have a, I have a projection for Arizona's offense for this next season. Yeah, I feel pretty good, uh, you know, looking through what we've got and what we've got coming back. I'm, I'm ready to talk about it. So are you are you um, you want to save that or you want to give it up front? What do you want to do? Uh, uh, well, I mean, we give, I mean, Arizona's offense is, is projected to finish about where they finished last season. So number 52 overall. So that's not great. There, there's there's a lot that the Arizona offense really has to pick up uh, coming into this year. So, um they uh, they they really need to, uh, to to figure out this Noah Mazzoni offense in year two to to make a big jump. Yeah, and everything rests on Khalil Tate, who of course we'll talk about in a little bit. But so I on this on the last podcast we had talked about some players that had left Rob, and I had forgotten about 10 of them <laughs> from way earlier in the season because <laughs> shout out to, so I want to give two people the biggest hugs in the world. The first is Michael Lev. Shout out to Michael Lev. If you don't follow him on Twitter, you should. He's uh, the beat writer for the Arizona football program. And he is excellent. Like his breakdowns are very fun and very thorough. He gets the game and he does a lot of, he did a lot of new stuff last year where he was doing film breakdown. And I just really, really enjoyed his stuff. So if you don't follow him, you definitely should read his stuff. The second is AZ desert swarm has actually been keeping a, uh, a running tally of all the players that left and Holy, Holy Moses. Like I forgot Curtis Brown was gone. I forgot that, um, Sione Tui Hawafema was gone. Jamie Nunley is gone and you should like run like the wind. If you were a tight end on this, on this program, Jamie Nunley, one of the top <laughs> receivers uh, on the team in the last year of rich rodriguez dips out and shouts to him hopefully he goes to iowa or something and uh anthony marzical we talked about anthony marzical um but uh lacusa our offensive lineman lacusa is gone just uh just a few more a few more hits that that sting a little bit when it comes to the big bodies i mean i think it's true though that when you look at lacusa and alatis that they, they really looked at the the, the new depth chart these are two guys that got that that started out the season um, with a lot of playing time and gradually got beaten out. Um, and I think they looked at the the offensive line, uh, which mostly comes back after last season, and and with the addition of Robert Congle coming off the practice squad. And I don't think that I don't think that they saw a lot of playing time. Not that there's that that does hurt our depth because there's not a lot of experienced depth 
behind the starters, but um, I don't think you can look at it and say that Arizona lost any starters uh, to transfer. Yeah, and you lose Joe's get Joe's. <laughs> you lose Attorneys General Joe Gilbert. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, Joe Gilbert was an awesome offensive line coach. He was only here for a year. He dips out. We have a new coach, um, and we'll get into the offensive line. But this all starts at quarterback, of course. We've we've talked about Khalil Tate certainly. Um, a lot of issues last year, whether it was his decision not to run in the beginning or maybe it was the the coaching. But like, again, if you actually look at the film and Max Brown did an excellent job of this and so did Michael Lev of Khalil Tate's reads and whether or not he actually chose not to run and he didn't last year. And that hurt the program, the ability to uh, to just break open the field. He was the most electrifying man in sports entertainment the year before. And then this this past year, making that decision not to run, maybe it was a little bit of the coaches in the beginning, but at the end of the year, I mean, like, especially when you have Kevin Sumlin saying, we need Khalil Tate to run, and he's still not running. Um, I think that hurt the offense. And the inability to throw down, uh, getting those intermediate passes. I mean, Khalil Tate was uh, a dump or dink or a bomb and nothing in between. And when you have some Okay, wide receivers. I, I took a big dump on them last last week. They weren't that bad. I think they they weren't great, but they weren't terrible. But um, when you have a couple options out there in the middle and not being able to hit those, certainly slowed down the program. It'll be really interesting to see whether or not he can pick up the pieces and take us uh, to a few more wins than we we had last year. Because if he's on his A game, I think he can do that, Rob. Yeah, I mean Tate was really hurt. His his completion percentage just isn't where it needs to be for a modern college offense. Um, you know, 56% just simply isn't going to cut it. And I, I know a lot of folks, po- you know, point out the touchdown interception ratio, the 26 touchdowns to only eight interceptions. And that's good. And I don't want to, I don't want to knock him too much for that. But I mean, more often than not, Khalil Tate was just a drive killer with the, his inability just to make completions. Yeah, that was, that's stat County. If you take a look at that and you didn't watch the games, he looks fine, but his inability to hit, wide receivers at, at, at really important times or his decision not to run at really important times. Like it, it really slowed down and hurt the offense. So that's one of the things that we really did improve in terms of this podcast covering the Pac-12 is trying to watch as many of these games as possible because you can look at a USC team and go, wow, that, that you know, those players are great. And then this team looks really solid. But then when you actually watch them, you're like, oh my gosh, like how did this team function? <laughs> New year though. So uh, Nikhil Harry or not, uh, who is uh, Kahari Lane is gone. Big blow to the program. I mean, Big blow to the I day. Mean, I, th- I thought they could have pulled Khalil Tate in the BYU game. I mean, you remember oh, yeah. that BYU second half where he just threw like three straight bomb incompletion. Oh, it's like how I play in Madden when somebody blitzes me real fast. Josh always blitzes me. And I'm like, oh, X. <laughs> just like throw it as far as I can. I mean, <laughs> Except it, it, he wasn't even being blitzed sometimes. So, yeah. I mean, a key metric for Arizona in, the, in their offensive rating last season, and they finished number 53 in beta rank, was they were number 96 in drive efficiency. Like, they just didn't finish drives. They couldn't stay on the field. And a lot of that is Khalil Tate. Like, you just have to have a higher completion percentage to keep the ball moving. Yeah. Um, and especially with this, it's, they weren't they weren't an amazing rush offense last season but they were they were far better than i expected with jj taylor and um yeah he, he, he simply should have been better and not all that's on cleo tate some of that is on the wide receivers but yeah, and we'll get to the running backs. We did talk about the quarterback last time, but I should highlight. So Khalil Tate's back, Kevin Doyle returns, Jamari Joyner, Rhett Rodriguez, and Grant uh, Grant Gunnell coming over from Texas, highly touted uh, quarterback. I, if, if I were to put my money on a player, I think Kevin Doyle ends up being the number two at the end of the year. I just think that this staff uh, needs to be more invested in 
building out the rest of the quarterbacks rather than um, just sticking with Rhett Rodriguez. Uh, everybody talks about his, his wonderful offensive mind. <laughs> All right, whatever. <laughs> but I, uh, I'm still, I still, uh, you know, I'm sure he has Rich, Rich Rodriguez offense down. But um, this is a different offense, and I'm uh, much more inclined to say give Doyle or Grant uh, Grant Canell a chance. Um, I really wasn't impressed with Jamari Joyner, but hopefully he steps it up. And then uh, the Red Rocket himself, uh, Kahari Lane, is gone. Rest um, in peace. May it's <laughs> May, may he, uh, you know, feast on the flesh of his enemies in heaven or whatever. Um, <laughs> well, they, did you see this, this, this little tidbit in that, uh, in the, the sort of spring depth chart, uh, the, the summary that Eric AZ desert swarm put out Rev Rodriguez lost 13 pounds. He's down to 188 pounds. I mean, that is, that is small for college football, low carbs, <laughs> high reps, man. <laughs> <laughs> keeping that, that is, sushi out there right you know that is uh, i mean you don't take a lot of hits as a quarterback but if you do take hits at that size i mean there are some big dudes even in the pac-12 yeah don't, um, don't put him out against utah that's that's all i have to say <laughs> but i mean i think you saw his limitations i mean in, in that ucla game in particular um you know the utah game don't don't look at that utah game that was <laughs> that's not necessarily his fault. Utah had a very good defense and they were kind of rolling in that game. And, um, after, after Khalil Tate went out, like all the air went out of Arizona, but the, the UCLA game, I think, um, a lot of people like the fight Arizona showed, but I think you can see the limitations of Rhett Rod because I mean, that's really a game Arizona probably could have won, um, with, with some better quarterback play. I mean, JJ Taylor had a really phenomenal night and that UCLA, UCLA defense was just really bad last season. And, um, Rodriguez really didn't put up a great game in that game. And, um, uh, I'm, I, I'm with you. I think Rodriguez is sort of, you know, security blanket makes you feel better. Um, and, and as you try to develop, you know, Doyle Gunnell or a, a joiner to, to step in. And I think you're right. I mean, it's, it's probably down at this point to, I mean, I, I think a lot of people look at Gunnell as the future. Um, you know, I, I'm sure it just, I'm, I'm interested to see who gets playing time with the red shirt rule, um, you know, this season. Cause, uh, you know, if, if the season, if the season kind of starts to go south this season, um, you know, and, and Khalil Tate's, you know, this is Khalil Tate's last season. Um, you know, if game is out of hand, like you got to start with the, the red short rule. You got to start auditioning guys for, for next season. I was surprised that they didn't do that more last year, particularly oh, no. with, with how bad we were. I'm like, why wouldn't you throw... Um, why wouldn't you throw Doyle out there? Like, just try it, you know, because uh, certainly <laughs> Joyner wasn't going to die. So. I mean, all, all of that said, I mean, I mean, at least we weren't like UCLA where, um, you know, they didn't play Thompson Robinson and they just kept playing Wilt, Wilton Spate, even though they were eliminated from bowl eligibility in like week seven or something like that. Like it was, <laughs> Hey man, Chip Kelly will sit your ass if you have an attitude and he doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm going to play, I'm going to play highly immobile grad transfer. Wilton. I mean, but that's, I, I, I do think that they're going to have to, um, I, even though I think historically over their careers, both someone and, um, Someone in Mazzoni have, have generally not done a lot of quarterback rota- rotating. I mean, they're 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 not going to you know yank you um, uh, if you're not playing well. But I think they're just 
I, I don't think it makes sense coming out of this season. I, I think we should expect to see um, if games get in balance, we should expect to see some of these younger guys coming in and playing. Yeah, let's move over to the running back position. So obviously the returning starter is J.J. Taylor, who had an excellent, excellent. I mean, I was like, that was the biggest thing I was off. All I just, America. All with, America. For real? All America. Yeah, he was a he was a uh, he was a, an All American. Like first team? No, but he was he he made a couple of All American. He and um, oh, I'm forgetting the Arizona State running back right now, which I'm feeling rather bad about. Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> it's right, but they both had big years, and um, yeah, they both made some All American teams. Nice, that's awesome. Oh yeah, I mean again, uh, a diminutive player, but really played angry and ran hard and i just was so afraid that he was going to get dinged up particularly behind an offensive line that wasn't proven and all that stuff and just really exceeded expectations so he returns he also has um uh, by the way just to give him his due uh 1400 yards six touchdowns average 5.6 yards per carry he returns you have gary brightwell who's back who not bad, right? I was, I was, you know, you had all these reports coming out of camp like they normally do. It's like, oh, Stanley Berryhill is going to be a delicious monster out there. Like, all right, let's let's all calm down. Let's all calm down. <laughs> but every once in a while, these are right. And Gary Bright, Brightwell was certainly one of those players. So he had 500 yards, averaged almost six yards a carry, 5.8, had three touchdowns, had himself a decent season. Yeah, I mean, I I I think. I, I think Taylor's like going to be fantastic. I, I like Brightwell behind him. I don't know that I'm fully in on all the Brightwell hype, I guess you could say, um, that we often get. I mean, remember when Gary Brightwell was going to be a slot receiver? Like we, we just had to get him more touches, you know, and then we didn't. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I like some of the, depth ish i mean if you if you said gary like we have to rely on gary brightwell i'd be a little worried i suppose i would be very worried Um, (laughs) yeah i mean i don't know i mean bam smith darius smith do you we saw a little bit of him in the houston game i don't know that we saw enough of him to feel super confident um and then there's always the nathan tilford question um the enigma that is the nathan tilford (laughs) experience (laughs) Right. I don't know. I've, I've look. Obviously, I was on the train, and when you have two coaching staffs back to back that decide this guy is not going to be in our top three, I think that says yeah. something. Um, so yeah, you never know. But I think like Bam Smith will probably be another person to keep a lookout for. He only had twenty three carries last year, Rob. So uh, not a lot to talk about there in regards to like past performance. I do want to mention, you know, as a lot of people get caught stat counting too with the second back oh this guy averaged six yards a carry this guy averaged and then they they become the person and this was my biggest worry with jj taylor was can can he be the guy and he did his credit really stepped up and was the guy so oftentimes that can that might not happen so uh yeah let's see let's hope that jj taylor uh, stays healthy but i'm i'm fairly optimistic i thought gary brightwell in his position did a decent enough uh, decent enough job to keep the offense moving and hopefully bam smith steps it up and we have somebody like maybe michael wiley who's um you know six foot 190 pound freshman i doubt he actually gets time to play but hopefully he or tilford or somebody can fill in and just get us a little bit of time because as yeah, i'm looking at it like I guess Gary Brightwell does fit the bill, right? Six one two oh six. So at least you have a little bit of thunder to the lightning that is JJ Taylor. Yeah, 
I mean, as long as J.J. Taylor is healthy, I am fine with everyone behind him. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, because then we're just talking about marginal carries. Um, if, if JJ Taylor gets hurt, it's, uh, all bets are off. Right. Yeah. But into his credit, like very durable last year, didn't get banged up. Um, as I recall, right. I think he played every game. He did. He did. He he, he was, I, I mean, uh, everyone sort of has the same, you know, is, is JJ Taylor made out of glass? And I don't, I I think you proved last year. He's certainly not. He had a lot of carries. What a boss, Um, dude. What a, but JJ Taylor shouts to you, man. If you're listening to this podcast, hell of a season, keep it going, keep it going. (laughs) Um, but it is if, if if Taylor gets hurt, you know, then it's then it's what happens, right? Or and a lot of this is in Mazzoni's, whereas in, in Rich Rod's offense, I mean, some of it's on you know the in Rich Rod's offense, Tilford couldn't get on the field because he he didn't have his pass protection sound. Um, in the Mazzoni offense, some of it's pass protections, but a lot of it's route running too because the the running backs run more routes in in Mazzoni's offense. So um, there's a there's a whole other you know you know, piece to this that, um, you know, the running backs have to figure out. And I think Taylor, you know, really figured it out reasonably well. Um, you know, if, if, if Darius Smith and Gary Brightwell, um, you know, if I, if whoever, it's sort of whoever could pick out, pick out the route running and pass protection probably gets that second spot. Right on. Well, let's move from running back to wide receiver. Sean Poindexter gone. Sean Brown gone. <laughs> Tony Nelson gone. Top three wide receivers. Um, Whatever. <laughs> I don't have to eat my hat. I just want to say that. Or or whatever I said as my bet of like if Sean Poindexter gets drafted. Like Sean Poindexter was not drafted. I don't want to sound like I'm crowing over that, but um there was a little pushback. There was a lot of there was a lot of hype. There's a lot of hype. I mean that I guess that's what happens when your team you know, Arizona football is okay. Right. So you have somebody that kind of shows a little bit of shine and stuff. But I mean he just he was fine. Um, and I, I don't think Khalil Tate did him any favors with his deep balls, uh, so that that should be pointed out. And he did, to his, to his credit, did get signed with the San Francisco 49ers. I hope he does well. Yes. I hope he has an excellent yes. season, makes a gazillion dollars. So uh, shouts to him. He did, to his credit, 759 yards, average 18 yards a pass with 11 touchdowns. That's pretty solid with a quarterback that couldn't <laughs> hit him. But like four receptions a game. That's true. I mean, that's what that, that's what it comes down. I mean, I guess is that um, when people talk about, uh, you know, losing some of these receivers, I just I, I feel like a lot of these receivers are, are were errors in it. A lot of Arizona's receiver, receivers last season and for the last couple of seasons have been about replacement level. Um, yeah. Yeah. In, in college football. And um, I, I mean, so recruiting isn't recruiting stars aren't everything, but they are a lot of things. Um, and we flipped Sean Poindexter. He was a junior college player who hadn't co- played much football. His other offer, and he was committed to Marshall. Yeah, we um, are Marshall. Of the MAC. Or is, are they in the MAC? I can't even remember anymore. Anyway. <laughs> Quick, uh, what, what state is Marshall from? West Virginia. Oh, yeah, you know all that stuff. Never mind. <laughs> but yeah, we got him at the last minute. He was – he – I don't know. I guess I look at it and I'm like, yeah, we sort of got what we were paying for, I guess. I mean, not that we paid Sean Poindexter, but. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, another sport, Rob. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yes. But Booby Curry, four-star wide receiver, a um, lot of schools on his offer sheet. You know, like the, he was uh, a lot. He was sort of an, uh, a silent commit to Arizona. Um, 
I will take Booby Curie all day. I think the natural talent that he has, and I think wide receiver is a position that you can come in and play early, um, and he's an early enrollee. Uh, I, I like some of the I like some of the talent. Um, even though, the, like last season, they maybe didn't have the experience to get on the field, I like some of the talent we have a lot more than I like uh, like last season's roster. Yeah, you take a look at some of the players that return. So a lot of hype for Drew Dixon, who was a four star commit to Arizona um, a few years ago, and, and I love the size. Finally, right? Like our biggest knock yeah. on the wide receiving core for years was, oh my gosh, like they all look like they're they're in a casting call for you know a five nine, five ten, <laughs> you know, like a person. <laughs> uh, they all have the same height and same weight. Um, now you're looking at Booby Curry, 6'2", 197. Jalen Johnson, freshman, 6'3", 183. Drew Dixon, 6'3", 210. You have somebody like uh, Devon Cooper, who's a little bit shorter, but uh, was kind of the best returning wide receiver we had, who had 20 yards uh, per catch, 5'10", 175. You got somebody like Zach Williams, 6'3", 224. There's definitely some size on here. Um, we also return Stanley Berry, <laughs> Brian Castile, obviously. Um, so I do think th- there is some talent here. I'm not as worried about the wide receiving core as uh, I would have been if uh, I-, I guess I guess if we if our wide receiving core last year was better than this the, the class that just left. I think that that disparity would have been so far that I'm like, oh man, like even if they come in, are they going to be there? But I just I think our wide receivers were were average at best last year, and so um, so I, th- I think yeah. this could be a strength. I mean, I mean re- relatively, you know, a relative strength. Our wide receivers struggled to get open against man coverage last season. Um, you know, the the season before where Khalil Tate was able to, uh, to he was able to break things open a lot with his legs. And the defense was forced to come into uh, a zone and, and keep a spy full time on the quarterback. Um, they were they were forced to change the way they were rushing the passer. Um, and Tate was able to buy a lot of time, and the receivers were able to find you know pockets in the zone um, or break open because they'd been you know the Tate was able to buy so much time that the, the, the secondary couldn't cover that long. That, that was not last season. Last season, Tate didn't run rampant. You know, the, the receivers were really forced to, to try to get open, struggled against man coverage. Uh, I, I, I like, I mean, I, I think Booby Curry gets playing time from day one, um, you know, and probably as the season progresses, if he doesn't, if he's not a starter at the beginning of the season, I think he is by the end of the season. Um, a lot of people had, had great things to say about Jaden Mitchell, who's a blue shirt that, um, he hurt his knee. He was he was originally supposed to be a Rich Rod signee. He hurt his knee. Kevin Sumlin and company chose to honor that scholarship. Um, and he came in this spring, and I think he wowed a lot of people. Um, Trey Adams had a pretty good spring. Um, people were talking about Drew Dixon, of course. Um, I think Stanley Berryhill is a guy that could get some time at the slot. Get out of here. Uh, get out of here. Well, so, well, I mean, <laughs> no, no, he's no, probably no. competing. I hope I he mean, does. I, My hope is that Cedric Peterson is not getting one of the outside wide receiver spots and that he is um, that that he is a slot receiver. I mean, at five (laughs) eleven, I think he's better at a slot receiver spot Um, and that we can put some some more size out there on the outside uh, there. But, yeah, I think that uh, I think that there's plenty to be excited about. I'm a little I mean, you look at with with Jamie Nunley leaving, I mean. Tight end seems a little thin. Dude, my it? man Bryce Wolma though, six three two fifty. Come on, brother, that guy that guy I mean, can catch, but nobody's going to throw to him. That's the problem. Well, I mean that that that's sort of true. I mean, tight ends just sort of disappeared in this offense last season. Um, 
I don't know. I mean, there there has to be a there has to be a fourth receiver sort of complement, whether it's a, a you know a running back making more catches, which is something that we've seen in Noah Mazzoni offenses of the past, or um, you know a, a, a tight end coming in and, and making some more catches. There's there somebody has to come emerge as, as you know sort of a reliable option there for the checkdown. Okay. All right. Um, let's move to to offensive line. And this was this one was took the longest because I had to go back and uh, because we had a different offensive line that started than ended right. You had Lacusa, the transfer from Michigan State, who got beat out. Then you had um, down uh, what's his face, uh, Lay Freak didn't play the first three games. Uh, yep. So there, there was a lot of turnover and stuff, but really a, a unit that gelled together. We have a new coach, and Rob, as we were going through the the depth chart here, not as not as worried as I as I thought I was going to be. Yeah, I mean, because we returned four guys that played last season and were you know starting at the end of last season. Um, the only real departure is Freak, who was you know played a lot and played left tackle, which is the, the, probably the most important position on the line. Um, but Donovan Lay played terrific um, as a really young guy, and uh, I think. If you're looking at you know an, a, an Arizona player that has a shot to maybe get drafted down the road, I mean, and I say maybe, don't I'm not getting crazy here. Um, <laughs> Donovan Donovan Lay is certainly a player that I think could develop um, in in that direction. You and you you know you bring back McCauley, you bring back Creason, Barola, and then you've got Congle, who people raved about. He started at A and M as a true freshman, um, spent last season on the practice squad as a transfer. Um, I, I think that's a big reason, you know, returning those four plus Congle that Lacusa and Elatise transferred out. Yeah, yeah, and, you, and you're right about that. And I keep, I always say, all right, everybody, chill out on on Congle. But uh, I mean, the fact that you did have people leave, kind of seeing the writing on the wall. So I think that's a good sign in regards. It's bad, obviously, for us to lose the bodies, but it's good that we have somebody that's scaring them away. So what I have here, Rob, is at tackle. I have Donovan. Uh, I don't know if it's Lay or Lay-I, but we're going to, you know, we're just going to go with whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we need, uh, that's why we we'll, need. We'll figure it out by the season, right? Yeah. Help Rick. <laughs> just uh, put it, put it, what do you call it? Emphatically? Or how do you, how do you say that? Phonetically. Phonetically. Yeah. Just spell it out phonetically for us on Twitter. Um, right tackle Edgar Barola was the starting right tackle going into the spring game and then hurt himself. Um, I don't think it's super serious from what I've read. So, um, I think it'll be fine obviously by the time that you have our first game, but just maybe even fall camp. So I have him penciled in at right tackle. I would assume Rob that Josh McCauley still stays at center. He started all 12 games. He's a walk on and earned that scholarship, right? Yeah, I, I think I think you could pencil him in. I mean, Congle also played center at A and M, so um, you know you could see a, a you know you could see a change up there. One of them will be left guard, one will be the center. Yeah, and there's a little bit of versatility here. You have Cody Creason, who is kind of fighting the guard slash tackle position. So I have him penciled in at right guard. I have Congle penciled in at left guard, and then we have a couple JUCO kids coming in, right? Yeah, Fears and Donovan, um, two JUCO tackles with with really good size, um, both height and and arm length as, as well as weight. Um, you know, and, and with that, I guess the, the the question you have is, are they going to be able to pick up the blocking assignments and um, how are their feet? But um, that that certainly allays some of your fear about that you had that I had coming into this season. Once you have those transferred out of Elatisse and Lacusa of depth. Um, not that it's still not thin on the offensive line, but at the very least, you can 
put together a two deep and feel reasonably confident that you've got nine, 10 guys that you could go with. Yeah. I don't think we're going to light the world on fire. If you add, if you compared our, I would even say up and down (laughs) this roster, if you compare the talent of Arizona compared to Washington, um, Oregon, Trying to think of like you, I mean Utah. Oh in, in man, like, are you just, just trying to make us feel bad? I mean, well, like, yeah, I just don't want to. Like, Oregon's been recruiting. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'm, I guess, the bigger point being, um, this team could be fine, and if if you have a if you have a Khalil Tate that can be the Khalil Tate we saw two years ago, um, I do think that this could be a fun offense to watch because some the pieces aren't terrible. And some of them are going to grow into better players over time. But like on paper, if you compare us to the rest of the Pac-12, we're probably sitting in the middle, maybe a little bit lower, um, particularly on the offensive line. Um, we have a really young wide receiving core. I think the running back with J.J. Taylor is fine. And obviously you have Tate. And uh, again, we've, we've covered that. I think at you're Nando. selling the line short. They bring back almost everybody. And they have Congle, who was an SEC starter. Um, I, I like the line. I, I, I have confidence in the line. I think Devan's a good coach, the the new offensive line coach. Do you like what um, do you know about him? I've I never followed Ball so he was the offensive line coach at Ball State. Um I only know Ball State because that's the school that uh David Letterman went to. <laughs> so, oh yeah. <laughs> they had that one um, run in Maui in college basketball like ten, fifteen years ago. So he was a really well regarded coach there. In fact that he was the assistant head coach, they bumped him up on salary. So he even though he wasn't the uh he wasn't the offensive coordinator there as the offensive line coach. Um, he's a guy that they viewed it, that Ball State viewed as that they were going to have to increase salary and increase title in order to keep um, well-regarded recruiter, well-regarded line coach, knows his X's and O's and um, you know his, his technique. So uh, I think Kevin Sumlin's shown that he he really he's got a list ready. Like if he has a coach to part. Um, as, as he had with Joe Gilbert and Clarence McKinney. I mean, he has a, he has a list of, of guys to make a call to, 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 to come in. And, and I, I find that sort of encouraging because I, I think when we looked at sort of some of Rich Rod's hires, um, some of them felt a little desperate <laughs> <laughs> for his, for his assistance. And, and he had a lot of staff turnover, um, in his last, I mean, a lot of staff turnover in his last couple of years. So, um, I, I, I look at Kyle Devan and I, I, I think he's a, he's a really solid young coach and a, a guy that, um, you know, Arizona might find themselves struggling to, to, to keep uh, if things go well. Yeah, if he goes well, they'd be back-to-back-to-back excellent offensive line hires. Um, do want to give it. Yeah. I think he's at Oregon State now, which is why you had, I forget who ended up transferring there, but one of our quasi-starters who got hurt um, ended up transferring oh, yeah. to Oregon State, right, because we had a really good offensive line coach there. Yeah, Mahalchuk. Yeah, he's a he's a heck of a coach, Jim Mahalchuk. Like, and I, I, Oregon State's offense was sneaky good last season, and Mahalchuk was a big part of that. Oh, but the defense, <laughs> we'll get there. Oh no, the defense, the defense <laughs> ranked ranked like one twenty nine out of one thirty in beta rank last season. I mean, terrible. Um, anything else on the offensive side? I mean, and we'll we'll do the the defense next week. We'll keep you up on like any transfers and all that stuff. Um, so plenty of. By the way, what's his face? Uh, the Oregon, the kid that transferred to Oregon at the last second. Oh, Cody Shear. Cody Shear transferred out of Oregon. Come on back, baby. Come on back. There's room. Come home. Come to the mothership. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, there's, there's, there's still. T- I mean, it's not that. Uh, I'm, Braxton I'm Burmeister little... is not allowed. You're not allowed back, Braxton. <laughs> well, I don't think they have any room in the QB room anymore. <laughs> um, 
but I, I will. I mean, I, I've been a little disappointed that Arizona hasn't been as active as I would have liked on the, the graduate transfer market. Um, there have been some good players and some of it is that they really don't have. And I, I know a lot of uh, some people tweet out that Arizona should be looking to add a graduate transfer offensive lineman. I don't think that that's really in the cards. I, when you look at that, that sort of solidified starting five, I mean, most graduate transfers are looking for playing time, but I'm a little surprised that Arizona wasn't able to get in on any of the graduate transfer wide receivers. Um, that would have been a nice place to look, uh, you know, that I'm a little bummed there, you know, but yeah, there's, I, I'm excited for this next season. I think, I think the offense, like everybody's going to focus on Khalil Tate running again, but um, I'm probably going to be a little more focused on the number of deep balls Khalil Tate throws and his completion percentage. And yeah. And are the receivers getting open? Like if, if that happens, Arizona's offense like could make a big, big jump because I, I'm pretty confident in the running game. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, we'll keep an eye on that and let's get into the dirty stuff here. Let's get into the FBI. <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Oh, I just started getting a clue. Really? Yeah, I'm totally getting a clue. I think we better follow it. Okay, let's follow your raging clue. So the biggest allegation was you had Book Book Richardson come out and say that Sean Miller was paying DeAndre Ayton, allegedly, $10,000 a month. If you rewind um, all of the tapes that were played and put them in context, it all started with Christian Dawkins on a boat with his... um, potential seed people that were going to seed him this money saying, uh, and, and more like kind of offhandedly. I mean, it was certainly a big pull. Like if he got Deandre Aiden as, um, in the bag as a financial guy, like that would be a really big deal. So he, but he's basically saying, yeah, like I, sh- I talked to Sean Miller and he told me that he's handling Deandre Aiden himself and he would bring me in later if, uh, you know, and he would bring me in later, whether or not, like, again, this is a guy that gives a lot of bluster, but he did say that. And then you move forward to, Book Richardson talking to um, Christian Dawkins on tape and basically confirming that. And it'd be interesting to see the timeline. It'd be, uh, yeah. I, I don't know if it was before or after, but like there, there are three tapes right now that kind of have the same story. And you got to remember Christian Dawkins references talking directly to Sean Miller. Now, could he have been lying? Could he have been basically saying, oh, I, I talked to Miller when he's really talking to book Richardson. We don't know, but it is, it does not look good. And, uh, and the University of Arizona is silent right now. And when you are silent, then you're going to have people say, hey, this is really bad. This looks really bad. I think that Arizona should do something about this. And uh, and they haven't. And I get it. Like, we're in the middle of a trial. But this is what happens when you're silent in the very beginning. You come out and make a quick statement um, that was carefully worded by the head coach. And you come out and you say, we support this guy. And then you basically go underground for four months while this all uh, clears over. I mean, I look. Some of this stuff has been inconsistent and wrong, and the coverage has been wrong. Uh, but there is so like you can't look at these tapes and just think, "Oh, all of these guys were lying the entire time," <laughs> like, right? Because none of them knew I mean, that they were being recorded. If ten percent of this is true, Arizona's in trouble. 
And there's there's no I mean, I, we, we, we've chatted about this quite a bit. There's there are people still making the argument that Sean Miller can claim that he didn't know what Book Richardson was doing or uh, Phillips was doing <laughs> or some of the other assistant Jeff coaches Asenick were doing. Was doing. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't work anymore. The NCAA specifically removed that defense. Like as far as the NCAA is concerned, like that, that is no defense for a head coach. Um, so don't even try to make it. If, if you think if you're if you're going around saying, you know, that Sean Miller is going to be safe from the NCAA because he didn't know what Booker Richardson is doing. Like that's that's wrong. Like the NCAA changed that rule two years ago. So the, the head coach takes full accountability for what the assistants are doing. There is no more because what was happening was that head coaches were using assistant coaches as a shield. You know, the assistant coach does all the dirty work. Um and the head coach, you know, stays aloof from it. And then, you know, the head, you know, these, if, if they're caught, the assistant coach takes the fall with the NCAA and the head coach stays above it. And uh, the NCAA changed the rules to, to, to sort of uh, make the head coach always accountable. All right. Counterpoint. Um, one of the things that Jason Shear has been talking about is the fact that the FBI had um, had cleared Raleigh Alkins, DeAndre Ayton and Sean Miller, along with the NCAA clearing both of them. And that's true. I mean, well, I mean, the the it's true that the NCA cleared them. Yes, I don't think. And you would talk. You would go ahead and talk about, about the FBI thing. Well, I've been looking. I mean, I've been looking and looking and looking because uh, this is something that people keep throwing out. They said they they've been saying that the FBI cleared Aiton and Alkins to play. And that's not the case. I mean, because I went, I went, I haven't looked for anyone else that's reported this, and no one else that I have found has been able to report this. So if you do find somebody else other than Jason Shear um, or someone sort of closely aligned there, I mean, if you find like an actual newspaper that's reporting this, let me know because um, I'll read it. Um, but I even went and looked at like, I mean, so the NCAA had an appeal with a player that was mentioned fairly often in the first trial, uh, D'Souza at Kansas. And he was cleared to play by the NCAA. At no point is anyone referencing that there was any kind of work with the FBI. I have not been able to find any evidence uh, that the FBI has sort of given anyone like the federal government seal of approval to go play basketball. Um, that said, uh, there is a, there's still a difference between um, being cleared and not being charged. Um, and I, I think in this case where we're talking about some of the legal wrongdoing, um, I don't know that, I don't know that even if you did something wrong, if you were a player or a coach, if we're talking about prospects getting to campus, you'd be charged. And we saw that in the first trial. Um, no, no one associated with a player was charged the closest we came was Brian Bowen Sr., who got a non-prosecution agreement, which is he was never charged with anything. He didn't have to agree to any jail time. The prosecutor said, in exchange for your testimony, we won't even try anything with you, um, which is different than most everyone else. Most everyone else that has testified as a government witness has been charged and, and has taken a reduced sentence deal. Um, and none of the coaches, none of the coaches were charged in that first trial, um, even though in the original indictment, which I went back and read today, they do say that they the coaches conspired with um, and were part of the conspiracy with the Adidas, you know, Code and Gatto um, 
and, and Dawkins was in that trial too, um, but they weren't charged as they were non-charged conspirators. Um, and I think that the I, I think that the I think the government didn't think it could get convictions in those case, in, in those instances. That's not to say that they, if the NCAA got the information that the government would have, that the NCAA wouldn't drop the hammer on you. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. I, I think the biggest response to um, look, and I should I should mention like Jason Shear could be right. He could. And he very well could. He's the, he's the only one saying it right now, but he could be right um, because he's the closest to the coaching staff. So I could see a situation where like he knows because he's talked to these people. So I don't want to discount that. But like you're right, nobody else has really said that. Um, so it could be why. I mean, the biggest argument that Arizona has right now is a. There's still been no direct proof about Sean Miller. Now there's clearly a lot of proof about uh, uh, about Book Richardson. But what they could say is um, we had a lawyer look through this. We had the FBI look through this. We had the NCAA look through this. And um, and we didn't get any we didn't get any red flags. So prove it. I mean, that yeah. which is kind of what they're doing right now. And uh, but this drip, 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 drip where this stuff in in a vacuum. Yes, you could say, OK, this. Well, what about this? This drops. What about this thing? But when you piece them all together uh, it, it's, it's still not good. <laughs> it's still not well, good. This, this ain't over. I mean, Dawkins and code are appealing their first, the first conviction. And if Dawkins and code get a conviction in the second trial, they're going to appeal this. There will, there will be further days in court. Um, and you know, opportunities for evidence to come back to light that hasn't been out yet. Um, but I, I really think in, I've talked about this a little bit. We, you and I have talked about this a bit. I mean, the biggest question still out of the first trial is why were, why were no coaches charged with the sort of the criminal enterprise of getting prospects onto campus? And there's sort of three options, right? One of which is that, you know, the coaches didn't do anything wrong or there's not enough evidence to charge them. Um, you know, there's another option, uh, you know, that the, the the the, you know, the the legal theory sort of doesn't stretch that far, if you will, <laughs> um, to really uh, to for the federal government to get it to conviction. Um, or two is that the you know the, the the federal prosecutors like they have such a high conviction rate. You know, it's part of it is because they don't take cases that they don't think they can win. You know, um, so I don't know. There's there's just I, I really wish the national writers. Uh, who are more sports writers than court writers um, would have taken that on. I, I think that's a question that is really worth asking some of the legal experts that they've lined up. And I, I actually would would say that I, I wish they'd lined up some better legal experts, too. I don't, I don't think that we really fully understand why no coaches were charged in that first trial. No, we don't. And the fact that Will Wade's still standing and you had a lot of players cleared at LSU and um, it just it doesn't make sense. Like there's definitely something missing. Uh, and I just I don't quite know what it is right now, but um, we will continue to uh, not even report. We'll continue to talk about it <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and continue follow up, following up on it. Uh, all right. Well, cool. Well, we will leave it there. We'll get into defense next year, next year. Next week, we'll cover defense, go through the depth chart. RCL Yates, year four. Speaking of depressing. Um, <laughs> uh, we have some size, though. We have some, there, there's definitely some good things to talk about. So we'll get into that. Uh, we'll drop some some knowledge bombs in regards to like news around the conference, and uh, and then we'll be off in our football coverage. So thank you for tuning in. You can subscribe to the podcast for free on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, 
Spotify, Stitcher, you name it. We're there. And we will catch you next week.